On this mini-episode of The Book Drop, we welcome local author Theodore Wheeler to talk about his latest novel, The War Begins in Paris. We also talk about Omaha's growing book community and Dundee Book Company's journey from mobile book cart to literary community hub. This is The Book Drop. Hello, and welcome to The Book Drop, Omaha Public Library's podcast about books, our community, and the joy of reading. I'm Erin Dewar, the Readers and Writers Librarian for OPL, and I am here today with a special guest, local author Theodora Wheeler. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, excited. So Ted is a writer from Omaha. He also teaches writing at Creighton University, co-directs Omaha Lit Fest, and helps run Dundee Book Company. His books include the novels Kings of Broken Things and In Our Other Lives, and his fourth book, The War Begins in Paris, which we're going to hear more about today, will be published by Little Brown and Company on November 14th. Uh, a 2020 National Endowment for the Arts Creative Writing Fellow, Ted has been awarded scholarships from Wesleyan Writers Conference, Key West Literary Seminar as winner of the Marianne Russo Award, Disquiet International Literary Program, Port Townsend Writers Conference, and earned an MFA in creative writing as a fellow at Creighton University. In the summer of 2014, he was a fellow at Academy Schloss Solitude in Stuttgart, Germany, where he lived on the grounds of a 248-year-old Baroque palace. So welcome, Ted. I feel like you undercut, you help run Dundee Book Company, but like, <laughs> you also own it. <laughs> like, yeah. We're all just pitching in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, is, it does really feel like a community spot, so that's fair, I guess. But So we have a new book coming out, which is exciting. Uh, this is your third novel, correct? Yep. Third novel, yeah. fourth book. Yeah, cool. So uh, your book is The War Begins in Paris. So I'm curious how uh, you would describe your book to readers. What should they know? Yeah, so uh, The War Begins in Paris is a historical noir. Uh, It's set among a cohort of American foreign correspondents who gather in Europe in 1938. And it tells the story of how a young woman's life is propelled by a series of visions that take her from uh, the Mennonite farm in Iowa, where she grew up, Uh, to a job as a foreign correspondent in Paris, uh, to what she comes to see as a secret mission to assassinate a Nazi propagandist in wartime Germany. Um, So kind of some big things there. Um, I think how I got into this book, uh, 10 years ago, I came across the story of Jane Anderson. Uh, So this was a a real person. Uh, But Jane became a a war correspondent in her early 20s when she was reporting on the First World War. Um, She did... uh, it was kind of an adventure reporter where she like, was the first woman to fly in a biplane in England. She was the first woman to be in a submarine. Uh, she would cross enemy lines in the trenches and kind of do these crazy things. Um, so in a lot of ways, she should be a pioneering woman journalist. She, she is, she was. Uh, but we don't really know about Jane because of her contribution to women's rights, uh, because Jane is also known as one of the radio traders. Uh, This was a group of American journalists uh, who broadcast propaganda back into the United States on behalf of the Nazi regime. Um, So more or less, Jane could have been remembered fondly, except Jane turned fascist uh, during World War II. Um, Really, I I mean, she's kind of the historical base where we get into it, but I think the story belongs to that young woman from Iowa who I mentioned earlier, uh, Marta Hess. Uh, She's completely fictional. 
uh, that's kind of the where the story comes in. Her struggle to contend with the threats of her time, uh, her upbringing as a radical pacifist, and what she believes is her destiny ultimately. Cool. That's like a lot going on, like in an exciting yeah. way. That like yeah, amazing. Uh, so this is not your first historical fiction book, but like reading more about this book, I mean, and I know Kings of Broken Things also probably was like a massive undertaking research wise, but I'm curious if your research process for this, cause you're dealing with real people again, um, you know, differed greatly from some of your past works. Um, it was a little bit different. I think you know, it started off largely the same, you know, just writing about real people, writing about real historical events. So starting off trying to learn about the history of what happened, um, even just World War II, where there's there's so much World War II stuff in books and movies where in some ways I feel like we're all a little bit of an expert on World War II at this point. Um, but it's so much different trying to go write something about it. So like, you know, reading history books, going to the World War II uh, Museum in New Orleans, um, you know, that kind of stuff just to give me a base, um, having a main character who was raised Mennonite, uh, which I was not raised Mennonite. So like going to the Mennonite Museum in Kelowna, Iowa, uh, reading about just kind of uh, agricultural techniques of the Iowa Mennonites to give me that base to jump into it. Um, probably the main difference with Kings of Broken Things, like most of the, the real people didn't really have that much written about them in the historical mm -hmm. record. So like Tom Dennison has a lot. Uh, Will Brown, who was lynched in 1919 in Omaha, really doesn't have hardly anything known about him or written. Um, so with that one, I was reading old newspapers a lot more and just trying to like get into the feel of what it was like to be at, in Omaha um, and maybe doing more historical research in that kind of way, trying to find out about these people. Uh, with The War Begins in Paris, a lot of the, the historical figures are pretty famous. It's like Edward Murrow. Um, like William Shire, Dorothy Thompson, the people who more, more or less invented modern news journalism and especially broadcast journalism. Um, so they all have books of their own, right? They all have memoirs. They all have diaries they published. And a, a lot of my research for this book was just reading their books uh, to learn what life was like uh, for them or what it was like to be a reporter uh, in Paris in 1938. Um, so some way it was easier in that kind of way um, just because the books are out there, they're easy to get. Um, it was just more of a question of like, how do I position my story into that canon in a new and interesting way? Um, and I guess that's where the, the Iowa Mennonite Marta Hess comes in. Do you feel like a pressure because you're dealing with like well-documented like individuals or does it really just feel like it's slightly easier because at least someone's given you some of their backstory? I think it's, it's technically easier just because it's yeah. there or just like, how did people dress? What did they sound like? Mm -hmm. Like you can go on YouTube and find out a lot of these things. Um, so like it was easier to get into it in that kind of way. Um, but it is like that kind of pressure of how do I get this right? Where mm -hmm. writing about an obscure person in Omaha a hundred years ago, um, like nobody's going to call me on that. Like nobody's going to say I'm wrong. Um, so it is a little bit more pressure. Um, but I think it can be fun too. like later in their book, there is a, a rally in Berlin where Hitler gives a speech. And when I started writing the book, I had promised myself, like, I didn't want to like Hitler will not be in this book. Like, I just wanted to avoid all that kind of stuff or kind of the, the great villains of history that are on TV every day still. Right. 
Um, but I think it was kind of like getting into that challenge and like, how do you represent this? And going into the history and seeing how a lot of times our conceptions are, are wrong about things too, or just like the one thing that I don't know, we see like it'll pop up on, on like Instagram or on TikTok and stuff that like, you know, like Hitler was never recorded when he wasn't yelling uh, or shouting, which like is not true. Like he was a pretty morose person a lot of the times, uh, even on stage and, and would give long rambling speeches. Um, but, you know, I, I was a reporter for 14 years, covered a lot of political events, a lot of political rallies. Um, so I know like how sci- sound bites work too. Um, where a lot of times those speeches are 90 minutes long and they are just looking for the 10 seconds that that's more entertaining and that's what people mm-hmm. see. Um, so a lot of that, like maybe seeing the end to tell that story in a different way, using my experience as a reporter uh, to talk about the experience of actually being at these things, um, which is, is much different than what we see on TV. Yeah. I remember last time, I think it was last time you were on this pod we were talking about I don't know what we were how we got into it but we were talking about prior to the pandemic I remember that you guys were in Paris like when everything started to happen Mm -hmm. was this what you were working on at that time uh it was so that was uh like originally when I started working on this book like I had been in Germany and just kind of knew you could win fellowships where they would somebody would pay you to go live in Europe and work on a book (laughs) Uh, for Amazing. summer, so like, <laughs> that was the the goal. Like, I wanted to win another one of those. So, like, that was the yeah. idea of like setting it in Paris and kind of filling it out. Um, yeah. So, I did win a National Endowment for the Arts fellowship. Yeah. That like we were there um, to get started, and the idea was that I was going to spend most of that summer of 2020 uh, in Paris working <laughs> on the book. Um, I got like six days there. Uh, we were on the last United flight back to the United States from Paris. Um, it was kind of crazy. Um, but I think yeah. even that experience, like it was like going through that or like being shuffled through the Paris airport by like soldiers holding mm-hmm. automatic rifles and being received back into the U.S. by soldiers holding automatic rifles, um, which is like kind of just like our our government's response to everything, I guess, is like a show mm-hmm. of force, uh, even if it makes sense or not. Um, but thinking about like what it would have been like to be in Europe at that time on the eve of war. Um, and just kind of like being a regular person, being shuffled around from place to place um, when all these forces that are bigger than all of us are are playing out. So it feels like there's a lot to like grab onto and get into with this book, but, and I love reading because everybody reads the same book differently. So I'm curious if, if you could, if you even wanted to, if there's something you want readers to take away from The War Begins in Paris, what would that be? This is such a tough one. Like I always like try to hide behind being an author. There's like I just tell the story, like interpretations up to critics and readers, which I think is true, but like yeah. obviously it's something I think about too, like all writers do. Like like what's the purpose behind doing all this work? Um mm-hmm. I think for me a lot of it is just that idea that things were so much more complicated then, um, where like we like to think you know, even walking through the World War II museum, there was a lot of this where it's like, here was evil and here was good. And then this was the fight of good over evil. And like the country all came together and we unified to defeat uh, this, you know, opposition. Um, But it really wasn't like that, especially before Pearl Harbor. That was the big inflection point. Um, But even up to that point, the majority of Americans were against entering the war. 
Um, the vast majority of Americans were against taking in Jewish refugees from Europe. Um, so just kind of that idea, like I wanted to, to exemplify more. So like all the way through the book, um, you know, it does have a conclusion. There are like kind of forces of good and evil in some ways. Um, but I always like to leave a bit of ambiguity about that, where, you know, these decisions aren't that easy. Um, maybe especially that we do live in a, in a time of great chaos and especially great political chaos. Um, in some ways, that gives me comfort just knowing that, you know, things were never that easy. So this this sense that, you know, you know, we're messing up all the time and like we're just bad at everything and our government's horrible. Um, maybe it's somewhat true, uh, but also like this is how it's supposed to be, right? Democracy is very messy and like we will never get everybody to agree on everything. It's just like trusting the process to push us towards a better place and and hopefully, you know, things come together. Like it's still worth fighting the good fight and all that and, you know, being in there. Um, but just not seeing things in those terms where it's like, you know, this side's 100% right, this side's 100% wrong, because um, that's usually leads us to a darker place, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great answer. Oh, but I think, thanks. <laughs> I think it's fair, because I also feel like author, as an author, I'm assuming I'm not an author, but, but as a reader, <laughs> right? I get to I get to reflect and I get to relate to books in any way I want. So I think it's fair to like step back and be like you it can be whatever you want. To. But I also think of course most authors probably want people to pick up something or take something away. So Yeah. That's great. And I, I think that's fair too. Like I don't like running the bookstore. Probably my favorite part of the experience is just being around readers so much all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, where before we did the store, I was mostly just around other writers and Mm -hmm. there are different, such different motivations, um, (laughs) for like writing a book or even as a writer reading another book. Um, but it is like so nice, just like people who love to read, who love to think about things, um, just because that's who they are, um, rather than like having more of an ulterior motive towards it. Um, but I, I think as a writer, it helps me a lot or it has helped me a lot with this book you know, keeping readers in mind uh, rather than just other writers. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, So you mentioned the bookstore. You and your wife, Nicole, own Dundee Book Company here in Omaha. Um, I was at an event there recently, and it was in the backyard. And I just – I always feel this way about things that you guys are doing, but I just was sitting there thinking, like, this is such a great, like – representation of like the literary community and I just like in a moment was kind of like super impressed with like everything that you guys have built from like a a book cart you like you had a book cart that you brought around Mm -hmm. to things and then now you have this storefront people come and sit in the backyard and listen to authors talk and I just think it's this like nice little pocket of the literary community here in Omaha and you guys are responsible for that um you guys have also uh you know ran Omaha Lit Fest recently. Um, So I, there's so many great things going on in Omaha in the arena of like literature and the literary community, but I'm curious if there's other things that you would love to see happening here. Yeah. um, First of all, thank you. I I really appreciate that. Like it is a lot of fun. Like just thinking back to the book cart days where we were like kind of going out looking for readers or people who are interested in books uh, so it's mm-hmm. nice having the the backyard and the bookstore where people just kind of come to us now um, and having that sense of community. Um, but I think I do appreciate the small stuff so much more after I mean, we did two uh, Omaha Lit Fests 
um, really planned three of them and had a pandemic one that was wiped out. Um, but I think a lot of the idea for that was trying to have this big showpiece for the, the city or trying to do something really big. Um, mm -hmm. But like the, it seemed like the smaller interactions were kind of the most meaningful thing out of that, just like the conversations people had uh, before and after panels or like in the book fair, stuff like that. Um, so I think stuff I'd like to see is just like more people doing stuff and like it doesn't have to be a really big thing either. Um, I mean, like the Omaha Public Library Foundation in the last three years has brought amazing writers in where like Yaw Jesse, uh, Brian Stevenson, which was such an incredible night. Uh, and then Susan Orlean this year, like, so these are huge writers who are coming in. Um, I think UNO does that too. Like, so like in some ways, like the big stuff is almost covered, I think. Um, the mm -hmm. bookworm too, like bringing David Sedaris in and stuff like that. Um, but just see, thinking after the pandemic, so I know when we started in the backyard at Dundee Book Company, we were the first reading series back. Uh, I think for the first year, we were like the only people doing it, um, which like just made me appreciate or, or kind of miss the other ones that used to exist. Um, but I know like Imaginary Gardens reading series is back at Mr. Toad's monthly. Um, Aaron Scobie, a local writer, like, he does one in his backyard, uh, like where he has a tree house, um, where it's just like four writers and, you know, but he'll get like 40 or 50 people who come to see this, um, just oh like to, to be uh, kind of in fellowship with each other and hear some, some writing. Um, yeah. Nebraska Writers Collective is, is back doing a lot of stuff too. Um, but I think that kind of thing, like, like doing a lot of events, like I feel like there's always more room for that. It's always additive. Um, mm -hmm. So like if anyone feels like they want to start a reading series or a writer's group um, or like poet karaoke, like we used to do that a few times. That was fun. Um, like the literary pub quiz is back. Um, not running it anymore, but in some ways it's better than ever. Um, so I feel like that stuff like that, it just gets people more involved. And especially if you love books, if you love being around other people who love books, like there's there's no limit on what we can do with this or just, you know, filling in space is, is kind of the idea and just being around each other more. Yeah, I love that. Like, I agree. I don't think there's 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 like so much room for more. I mean, like no one should feel like held back. And I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, well, you have what I feel like is a significant tour coming up. I feel like looking at your tour schedule. So I know you have some stuff locally, but where will everybody be able to come and see you talk about your book? Yeah. So um, I think I have 25 or 26 dates booked. Yeah. Um, so I won't go through all of them, but uh, <laughs> you can find the full schedule on my website, uh, theodore-wheeler.com. Uh, for, for locally, uh, so the book comes out November 14th, uh, that Tuesday night, I'll be at the bookworm, um, at seven o'clock, I think, um, I'll be in, in Lincoln that Friday, uh, and then I'll have a few things at our own bookstore, uh, the Wednesday night before, uh, Thanksgiving, I'll be doing a write or a reading with, uh, John J. Waters, who's a debut novelist, another Omaha novelist. I'm really excited about his book. Um, I think that's most of the local stuff. We'll have some stuff later on. We're doing a, a partnership with the Alliance Francaise Omaha, uh, where we'll be talking about uh, Americans in Paris. Uh, nice. Then in February, I'm doing a, a partnership with Lola's Cafe. Uh, we're, we're pairing a, a sit-down group meal with the novel, um, which oh, is great. 
long been a dream of mine to do something like that. Lola's is yeah. my favorite place. I live in Dundee, so it's like right there. Um, so I don't know exactly what the menu will be yet, but I'm super yeah. excited to see that happen. Um, beyond that, I don't know if people are across the country. I'll be in Chicago, Denver, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., um, Portland. You get to read at uh, Powell's Bookstore, long a favorite. Um, so it'll be the first time I've read there. Um, but really excited about it. It'll be uh, thoroughly exhausting uh, for a few months <laughs> and a lot of travel. Um, but again, like trying to think about like those dark days of the pandemic and like how much I miss doing stuff like this. Um, yeah. I'm just so excited to, to get the opportunity to, to be out on the road for three months. Nice. You mentioned Powell's, but are there bookstores that are like the dream to get to go to or like talk at like pals might be one of them i feel like that is a big one but yeah i think i think like pals is like that of uh, politics and prose in dc is another big one um there are a lot in new york city new york city is just really tough to crack so i know a lot of them like <laughs> if you can't usually like when you pitch an event you can say like i have 15 friends in the city that i would expect <laughs> to come to the event and in new york they're like well we need 120 as like a starting yeah. point and it's like yeah. i'm just not that popular so maybe someday um but i'm also doing like savannah book festival in february which is like that was like another dream one where it's just like yeah. you know on c-span too on book tv um cool. and like they bring you down there you like go into the schools and talk to students and so it's like three days in february uh hanging out in savannah uh, I think the local ice cream shop even like customizes an ice cream for the book that you're bringing there. So stuff like that, like, I don't know, maybe only 15 people come to see me for my book talk, but, but the experience, uh, you know, is yeah. kind of a, a dream come true, a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And there's ice cream. So. And there's ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> if you're sad, you can console yourself after. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so where can listeners find more info about this book, your other work? Uh, are you on social media? Where's Dundee Book Company if people don't know? Yeah, um, so Dundee Book Company is at 4915 Underwood. Um, so just down the street from E Creamery, uh, if you're more ice cream oriented in your geography. Um, so we're, we're on the main level of an old house too, which I should say, I think sometimes people can't find us because we don't have a traditional storefront still. Uh, mm -hmm. So just walk up to the porch. We do have signs. Um, for uh, for me, I, I feel like we're most active on Instagram, both for Dundee Book Company and for me. Um, I just got on TikTok a few weeks ago at the, the urging of my 15-year-old uh, daughter and and my publisher, which I've actually liked it. Like TikTok is like, it feels, it's so less curated. It's kind of more fun, I think, um, just to yeah. be surprised about things. But um, anyway, that's the best place to find me. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So check out uh, The War Begins in Paris. It's out on November 14th. We have it in the OPL catalog right now. I know you can also pick it up at Dundee Book Company or your other local favorite bookstores. Everything we talked about, I will make a little list of all the books uh, that we mentioned, Ted's uh, catalog as well, and put it in our episode description for this episode. And that is our episode. Thanks for joining us on The Book Drop. 
The Book Drop is produced by Omaha Public Library. Our theme music is Trapped in Amber, courtesy of the band Lucid Fugue. Don't forget to subscribe to The Book Drop on your favorite podcast app and like and follow Omaha Public Library on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time on The Book Drop. Book Drop.